Hey guys, welcome back to Courtside. My name is Sava, and today I have a very special guest for you guys. Chris Hippa is a founding father when it comes to personal basketball trainers and skills developers. He worked with many pro players, including Nate Robinson, Kelsey Plum, Avery Bradley, and Quincy Pontexter, just to name a few. If you're thinking about becoming a basketball skills trainer, this video is a must watch for you. Real quick before we start, if you guys haven't subscribed to the channel yet, please consider subscribing. I upload every single week and I have more exciting basketball content coming your way. With that being said, let's see what Chris has to say about his craft. All right, let's get to it. So today I have Chris here, but Chris, you are obviously coaching basketball players all around the world, different levels. Um, how long have you been doing this for? Uh, I've been doing it since I think 2000, geez, like 2001, I think was when I first started to really like train players, 2002. I was still playing at that time too. I just got done playing college hoop and you know, I was, when I grew up and trained, I always would train with like two or three guys. Right. And whether they be teammates or something. So we always got to the point though where we learned how to coach each other. As far as like when guys were shooting, you know, telling guys to get more arc on the ball or just, we didn't have a coach there because training wasn't a thing back then. Right, right, right. So you learned how to train each other kind of to a certain extent. So I've been, I, I've been training since probably like 1992, 93. Mm-hmm with myself and with teammates, but I started doing it with other players around like 2001, 2002. And so I've been doing it for like 18 years. Okay. But if you want to date back all the way to 93, <laughs> like over 20, 25 years. Right. Of doing stuff with my own self, you know what I mean? Experimenting and stuff. Mm. But you didn't start, you didn't jump right away to like personal training. You started, I think, as a high school coach, right? You, you worked in there. Yeah, but I was training though at that time, you know what I mean? Okay. I was training players that we coach, you know? So mm. I wasn't, Business-wise, you didn't know, like, people didn't reach out to me because it really wasn't a thing back then. But I was training players in the program because, and you probably heard this stuff before, because I wanted to win. Yeah. And I knew that, and that's why I trained back in the day, because I wanted to win and I wanted to be the best that I could. So I knew that if we could train our kids in the off-season and we could get them bigger, stronger, faster, it was going to equate to more wins. And yeah. so I was just doing it because I wanted to win. I wasn't doing it to get paid. So I it was wasn't in the business. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to win. That's great. That's great. Not even the business, just just for the love of basketball. That's and but at, at that time though, it wasn't a business. You right. Nobody was doing it. Right. That's true. That's true. And so you kind of said you started training people pretty young when you were still playing, right? Right. Do you remember the moment if you had one when it hit you that you know maybe coaching is what I really want instead of playing? You know what? I think when you are playing, you don't really have that in your mind. I didn't have it in my mind. I wanted to play. Okay. I wanted to play as long as I could play. You know what I mean? And I think once the realization came, like around 2003, the first year that I coached, mm-hmm. as far as like, all right, I don't think my career is advancing basketball wise. Like, I'm not going to be, a, I'm not going to play in, in the NBA. I'm not going to play in a big time league overseas. And the realization started to kind of, what am I going to do right now? Right. Like, I'm living at home at my mom's house. Like, I'm, I'm doing a little part-time work. Like, what am I going to do? I'm not involved with the team. And then that's when I volunteered and started to coach. And so in 2003, like, around that time was, that's when it finally, like, dawned on me that, like, coaching would be a thing that I would love to do because I missed the game. Right. I missed being a part of a team, practicing every day and off-season workouts, in-season workouts, post-season workouts. I missed it. And so the only way that I could get that back was actually being a part of a team and that was for me to be a coach. I did end up playing in a league called the IBL, semi-pro league Mm -hmm. from I wanna say like maybe 05 to 09. And uh, we played in a league that was based out of like Seattle and Tacoma, 
uh, Portland, Los Angeles, Vancouver, it was up and down the West Coast. And it was against a lot of former pro guys. And it kind of gave me a chance to just kind of let everybody know that I could, one, I could still play. And I could hang with the guys that were being paid to play pro, you know, pro. Right. And that helps being a coach because they see that you know what you're doing. You know, you, yeah. You basically know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. And everything that you expect from your players, you can do it yourself, essentially. Right. And I had the respect, like, around here playing in pro-am leagues. And, like, we had a big thing called Rip the Cut back here, which ripped the cut every May. You know, Jamal Crawford, Nate Robinson, Terrence Williams. I mean, every pro you can think of during that time, like, around maybe 04, Probably from like 02 to 06 when I played in it were my best years. Mm -hmm. But every year during that time, you would have, Jamal would have, have a team full of pros. Nate would be playing with his boys. And there'd be, there'd be probably, probably 20 pros though playing in it. Right. And so it gave me a chance to earn respect against guys that I grew up against. Okay. Yeah. There so. Yeah. So for people who just started, because when you started, it wasn't a business. You know, it was just you loving the game and kind of figuring it out. Because you were one of the first guys who really made it big. And turn into a business but for the guys who think to follow this you know career and path essentially uh when they start how do you know that you're ready for that kind of stuff how do you know you can actually you know enough to coach people i mean I, i'd say like one like the biggest thing before you hop into it if you want anything to be long term is you got to have a passion for it mm -hmm. and if you're true. not passionate about it man like it you're gonna burn out you know what i mean like it's just you're not gonna be successful Right. You're going to make some bucks, but eventually you're going to burn up because you don't love it. So I would say, I mean, and one, if you're not passionate about it, I, you know, I'm not saying you can't succeed, but that it comes down to, if you have some passion for it, your players understand that you have a passion to give back and help guys improve. Right. That's your connection. You know what I mean? And your connection is probably more important sometimes than what you know, because your connection allows you to get in the door first. Um, obviously what you know, when you get comfortable teaching, I mean, I get comfortable still more and more year after year. Yeah. So it's just like with anything like more experience, it helps you become more precise, you know what I mean? And early on in my career, even even now to this day though, I still like to show what I can do mm -hmm. because it grabs the attention right away. Kids and players see me, okay, he can do the ball handling drills, he can do these drills, the respect for it will change. Oh, now being able to back it up though with like your uh, teaching points and why you do what you do and how this is going to help your game, all that stuff falls in line. But that just comes from experience. So you got to make sure one that you're confident with what you're teaching, in order to ever be great at doing anything where you're trying to teach something. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you're talking about, you're not going to be great at it. Right. Yeah, that's a good answer. I appreciate it. And uh, so let's say you feel like you can start working with the guys, right? Uh, obviously, it was a little different for you. You already mentioned it. You kind of were doing it with your teammates and, you know, and then kids just because you wanted them to get better. But how do you find your first client or, you know, how do you find people to work with? You know what, though? Clients found me. That's kind of how it kind of started. You know what I mean? Right. So it's just I, I think your best tool to market is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, back when I started doing this full time. OK, so full time, I was doing it in 2010. I probably did it for probably, I'd say, maybe two or three years on the side part-time but I was getting a lot of clientele but the word was like traveling and, and in my area I was well respected so like when you brought up my name you thought of you know all-state basketball player all you know when I went to college and played basketball played in this league you know I had a reputation though built up up to, up to that point so when my name got brought up there was a already there was a respect there so when people and like you said though there weren't a lot of guys that were doing basketball skill training at that time so when right. basketball skill training became something that people would talk about, my name was thrown in the mix automatically 
right. and it was going to rotate, you know? So, um, so to kind of go back to what you were like saying is that like clientele, my clientele kind of happened over word of mouth. That's a good point. I started training one kid mm-hmm. and that one kid, that dad, that kid improved and that dad went and told another dad or that kid went and told some more kids. And one kid turned to two, two turned to four, four turned to eight, eight turned to 16 and a snowball. Right. And people just kept saying good things about what I was doing. And so I started getting more kids. It's a very good answer, Chris. It's a very good answer. Cause now in the, you know, era of technology, obviously there's stuff like social media and people making Instagram pages, which is, I mean, you still need it to, you, you know, you run your Instagram page and everything, but you're right. Stuff like respect and just the word of mouth is probably means a lot more than social media. Absolutely. I think that, you know, social networking, because I ended up starting up Facebook. That was the first time that I ever did anything. I wanted people to see what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So the only way that I could get eyes on it was to post something. Okay. Right. So I was starting to post on, if you scroll back all the way on my IG, I mean, there's pictures of my son, there's pictures of shoes, there's pictures. It wasn't used as a marketing tool to help my brand. Mm-hmm. And then I finally started to post on Instagram. I finally started to tweet and I finally started putting stuff on Facebook. So now a wider variety and a wider range could actually see what I'm doing. Yeah, that's a good point. And so on top of the word of mouth, now you could actually view it for yourself if you didn't either one, think it was true or you didn't think I was good or you wanted to see if I was good, you could actually see it now. Right, yeah, I agree, I agree. So next step, uh, let's say you have a couple of clients, right? As a starting coach. Where do you stop? I mean, because obviously there's limits to how many people you can work with constantly, you know, because you want to know your players, you want to know exactly, you don't want to, as a good coach, you don't want to feed the same thing to everybody, right? Uh, so it kind of has to be different. So where do you stop? How many do you usually think a coach can work with at the same time? You know what? Um, I've kind of got a couple different things that I do. I mean, actually, I've probably created, though, in the last 10 years, probably... 15 plus different ways that I can train players. Mm -hmm. As far as obviously there's private or small group. Um, For me, I love doing clinics like the one that you flew flew in for where we can have a wide variety though of kids. I've done those with like 100 kids. Right. Where 100 kids will come. And even although we had, you know, during your workout, we had probably 25 plus, Mm -hmm. you still feel like it's an individual workout to a certain extent because you're given the space to do stuff. So I'm not a fan of big, you know, huge long lines where you get to a basket and kids are in a line of 25 and they get one rep, two reps, and then we move on to the next thing. We split you guys up in the baskets. You're at a basket with like four, four or five. Yeah. And so when one, once you get done doing your rep and score, by the time you get back to the end of the line, it's your time to go again. Oh yeah. So there really is no rest time. And so I, you know, I always like to put 10 kids in a basket. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my philosophy as far as, so if I have 15 baskets in, in, in the place that I train, I can train up to 150 kids by being able to break them up and put 10 in a basket and still feel like they can still be effective and experiment and do the things that we're asking them to do without being backed up and having to wait a long time and not getting reps. Mm-hmm. I'm all about reps. And so when you ask me how many is too many, it just depends on how many baskets we have. And if okay. I get into a gym and I have one basket, well, we're probably doing ball handling for an hour and a half because I want everybody to feel like they're involved. Mm-hmm. And so we may not even shoot a jumper, but for 90 minutes, we're going to do ball handling stuff, whether it be on the move, whether it be stationary, but we're going to get active and we're going to get a workout. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause this way you get constant feedback and you actually, you know, you're working with a coach, right? Right. And you, and you know, a lot of that you had to experiment with, but I mean, like there's, you know, there's times where I'll ask a coach. You know, and there's times where it's just, you know, you walk into a gym, you don't have no idea how many baskets you're going to have. 
Mm-hmm. How many kids got a ball? You have no idea. And a good coach is being able to say, okay, we got 60 kids in here. I got 42 balls. I got two baskets. What am I going to do? Not everybody's got a ball. We only got two baskets. You got to be creative. And can you be creative on the fly like that to make sure that there's a workout and nobody knows that you had to go through what you went through in your head to make sure everybody got something in? Yeah, because they want to see you ready. Yep. And so if you think about that, I was asked that question when I first started doing this, um, like in 2010, by a mentor of mine, Gannon Baker. Oh. One of my good Legend. friends I've known for a long time now, though. But one of the questions was like, question A, you walk into a gym, there's two baskets, there's 42 kids, there's 15 balls. What are you doing today? And you're just like, damn, it makes you think because there's a situation, there's a time you might walk into a gym, you might have a plan, you gotta throw that plan in the air and you gotta you gotta do something different though based on what you have. Oh yeah, adjust on the fly. Adjust on the fly, man, mm-hmm. that's life. That's the game of basketball. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So uh, you've been working with obviously a lot of high school players, college players, pro players. Uh, how different it is when you work with players like Nate Robinson, obviously, you know, Kelsey Plum. Those people have the same desire and the same passion and, you know, same will to learn. Or is it kind of harder to get them to listen sometimes because they might think that they know better? Yeah, no, and I mean, I don't, uh, I've never had a problem though demanding respect. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm working with youth players, high school players, college players, pro players, I treat all of them differently, but I, but I demand the same amount of respect. But I've always tried to walk into the room, though, with youth, with college, with high school, with pro, being prepared. If I'm prepared, then I'm not fumbling over stuff. I'm not, I know what I'm going to do. I have the workout plan. I know what we're going to do. We're going to jump from this to this to this. We're going to knock out everything. And once they can see that you have a plan and you're prepared, they won't question that. But when you come in and you're unprepared, you don't have a plan, they start to question like, well, is this guy, and especially for fet, you know, for pros, pros want to see you also be a pro as well. Oh yeah. And so I got to come in and I have to have a plan in hand, you know what I mean? And so I've never had an issue though with that. Obviously professionals, they are professional because they, they, they approach the game in a professional aspect. They get to the gym early. They're already getting warmed up. They're not waiting for you to tell you what to do. Like when I get to the gym and I'm working with like a Nate or like a Plum or like some of the pros that I've worked with, they're there early and they're already getting warmed up. Mm-hmm. So when we get going, they're already sweating and they're ready to go. Right. Sometimes youth kids, they get there, we have a workout at five o'clock, they get there at 458, they're waiting for you to tell them what to do. And obviously you've got to get to that point where you build up, but professionals are professional in every aspect. Not all of them, but most of them is how they approach the game. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Good point. So to kind of sum it up, I mean, uh, what would you say are the best qualities for a personal trainer? Because as far as you know, it's a good business, and obviously a lot of people who don't, who know they're not going to play, they would love to do it, but only certain types of people can really do it. So what would you say the qualities do you have to have? You know, one thing that you can see, I mean, like two things that like I have seen from 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 guys that I look up to and guys that I learn from, and also I've had people say about me, is that um, you know things you can't fake is passion and energy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you walk into a gym, you want to walk into the gym and you want the energy to be on point. Like you want to feel like there's a vibe in here, there's energy in here. Right. And that energy, like my job as a coach is to be able to give that energy though to others. You know what I mean? And so having a passion for it. If you are passionate about something, you're you're not gonna fake the front. You know what I mean? That passion is gonna come out in everything that you do, in the interactions that you have. You know, in the workout that you came to, 
there was about 25 plus kids and you know and they're and adults and, and and pros and i tried to give them genuine authentic energy in every interaction that i had you know oh, yeah. so when i would come and like coach so with you and correct you i wanted to give you my passion and energy mm-hmm. and i hope that you felt it I could see that, yeah. once i left you i wanted to give the exact same thing to the next kid because i want them to you know want them to feel important and i want them to feel like this is what it feels like so you know to be great at something you gotta have passion, you gotta have energy. And then I would say, you gotta be knowledgeable. Oh yeah. Because there are gonna be days that you come in that maybe your your energy is not all the way at the peak. Mm-hmm. You still gotta be precise and you gotta be knowledgeable about the stuff that you're trying to teach. Yeah. Great points, great points, Chris. Well, those are the basics that I wanted to cover. I appreciate your time. Uh, I think you gave a lot of great insights for people who would like to pursue this or just you know looking for more general basketball knowledge so uh for those yeah, of you guys of course, man i mean this is something that i love and i mean and hopefully you can sense the energy and the passion that i have right now just talking about yeah yeah i can see that you know what i mean that's the main thing is that i want like people to be able to be connected to me and just like when nate walks in the gym he's just like a bright light you turn like he has a presence about him yeah and you know i i, I want to be able to have that same exact presence when, that when i walk in the gym i light up the gym or i light, light up a room yeah yeah that's true so for those of you guys uh who want to experience this this energy this little craziness and obsession with basketball chris actually has his own little uh zoom classes right now for the guys who can't train in person can you tell us a little bit more more about this and yeah, how people can go i mean i have zoom classes i i have stuff that i offer i work with about probably 20 groups right now mm-hmm. across the globe different times as far and what, what we do is we go for a half hour and just ball handling mindset stuff, foot, footwork stuff, but just given structure right now that is hard to get right now from being in a gym. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's a lot of kids out there right now that are used to being though with their team in the off season and having structure. And that structure has been taken away from us right now because of what's going on. Right. And so just being able to give you guys structure, I have stuff going on on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have groups that I meet with every day of the week, but Zoom is a great way though, to stay, just to stay in shape. Yeah. And uh, it's one thing that we, we can do inside of our house right now is we can bounce the ball and improve our hands. Oh, yeah, you don't need much. You don't even know, you know, hoop. Just go outside with the basketball. You don't need a lot of space. Right. You're doing so, it in your kitchen, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. After, I mean, I'm doing it right here, man. <laughs> right, every day. That's all right you need. Here. Just that. Yeah. Ball and some passion. Yeah. yeah exactly. So for, the, for those who want to join you, what should they do? Uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram at uh, C-H-R-I-S-H-Y-P-P-A. Uh, that is my same exact tweet name, at Chris Hippa. Um, on Facebook, Chris Hippa Basketball. Um, I do have a YouTube page out. It hasn't been touched in a while, and I got to get back out to do it more. But I do have some stuff on YouTube as well. But just if you type in my name, it's a rare name. All my stuff will pop up. Not hard to find. And let me know if you guys have any questions, how I can help you guys, and I'll do the best job I can to help. Awesome. Yeah. So you guys feel free to hit Chris up. Um, he's going to help you grow your game. Not a lot of people can do it. Who can do a better job. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, yes, thank you. Yep. Thanks for your time. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And uh, well, always good to talk to you, man. Well, that's all I got for you guys this time. Hope you learned something new. If you liked the video, please leave a like and subscribe. Also, let me know in the comments what other basketball related jobs you would like to learn more about. I'll see you guys next time. And remember, you can't get any closer to basketball than courtside.